0: Today we've got something a little different, um, instead of the usual uh, Jack and Paul natter on some topic. We have our buddy Brian Castle from Zip Message, who is here to interview Jack and I and to talk about the early days of Fathom, because he's a listener of the show, as well as somebody who runs his own SaaS, and he has a couple questions that he wants answered. So let's dive in and listen to Brian interview us about Fathom all right and away we go uh hey brian it's good to see you it's good to have you on the show today
1: yeah, Paul, Jack, thanks for uh, thanks for letting me crash your podcast today. No I'm worries. <laughs> so, um, so you know, I, we were just talking offline, and one of my, I, I'm just sort of like obsessed with uh, picking the brains of all of my friends in SaaS about the the early year or year or couple of years of their SaaS product, and and you know their takeaways, like looking back now that they're a few years out from the initial year, you know, because I mean, I'm I'm in like just wrapping up like year one of, of my SAS product zip message. And, uh, you know, it's not my first rodeo in business, but it's still a new product. So I'm still trying to figure, figure out the, the road ahead and, um, yeah, right in the thick of it. So, uh, you guys have, have, have been there and you're still doing it. So I'm excited yeah. to get into it.
0: Awesome. What do you want to know? What, what do you think? Well, what do you think our listeners want to know about, about Fathom and Jack and I?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I, I love, the the podcast and like just the format of of you know like week to week what you guys are talking about but I think it's always interesting to get like a an outsider to come in and, and ask some questions so um you know before I dive back into uh, like your first year of Fathom like just where where are we at today we're, obviously we're beginning of 2022 so like how many years in now are are you with Fathom
0: when when did we, when did we start this when did you, you came on board in 2019 Jack
2: open source was 2018 yeah. Me and you incorporated in 2019? I think so.
0: Yeah, so I initially had a a different technical co-founder and he left and went off to teach or something and then Jack came on board and that's when Fathom really went from, yeah, basically an open source project with an idea to monetize it. I mean, we were doing it, but it wasn't really that big. And then Jack came on board and we really started to focus on, okay, this can be a company, this can be a product, this can be a business got it
1: got it um yeah so you know I'm, I'm gonna sort of like jump around a little bit uh but you know let's kind of start with like going back to that that first 12 months i know it sounds like you you had uh, some twists and turns in terms of like partners and stuff like that but um in terms of like the product of fathom getting out there into the market right um does anything stick out to you in that first year of like um this is how we got the very first batch of customers, and then we saw a, a, our first wave of customers when this or that happened. Like, what were those kind of key turning points or early on?
0: Yeah, I mean, my audience um, yeah. was the the initial volley of customers at the time. I at the time I had an audience. I was on <laughs> I social. Get into that a little. Yeah, bit too. I yeah. was on social media. I had a newsletter of thirty or forty thousand people that I was emailing every week. Um, and then the, the the previous co-founder did have a bit of an audience too. He makes a, a popular WordPress plugin. Um, and so initially, I think it was a tweet that I sent out. So I was pissed off at Google Analytics being complicated. So I designed what I thought an analytics dashboard should look like. And that got um, quite a bit of traction. And then when we released the first um, release on GitHub of the open source, that just went like wildfire i think we've had over a million people download the open source version way more way more yeah i I didn't
1: even realize that fathom was like had like an open source thing Uh, yeah it was just thought of it as as a product
0: yeah that's how it started and it's still it's funny because a lot of people still use that original open source version and yeah jack i haven't even looked at what the numbers are in probably a year and a half
2: so it's off it's off the charts yeah
1: I guess that I mean you know that that I guess that makes sense because the whole sort of concept with with fathom is like you know protect privacy so open source it's like a self-hosted version you can really control it
2: mm-hmm. yeah exactly that springboarded everything really the open source and then I came on board I think the business was doing $1, $1, 300 a thousand two hundred thousand three hundred dollars a month our growth I mean we have emails from the past that are really funny to read we I mean I was sending you emails excited that we were getting maybe a handful of customers a month. And I was yeah. like, yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it. And it, that was, it was a slow, slow growth because I came on board. We redeveloped the whole thing, pulled some redesigns, but it, it wasn't really until the end of 2019 when we did version two, that things started to really kick off and we suddenly had this improved product market fit. We'd been around for a longer period of time and our trials started going up significantly every single day. And that was after that version two launch hmm. very cool
1: um so i guess in that sense i, I mean i like open source i guess is sort of like a freemium play right like they're yeah but are, are they are they um they're, they're probably very different types of users right a, an open source user it's not like mm-hmm. you would start on open source and then migrate to the paid, right like you you're probably going to do one or the other? Or- uh, quite
0: a few people have. Quite a few people realize that they just don't want the hassle of managing. Like a lot of the value proposition of Fathom is that we manage that data and serve it up ridiculously fast to people. So mm-hmm. even people, like a lot of our customers are programmers who could use an open source. I mean, our open source version is nothing like our current paid version. But initially, it w- initially they were exactly parallel and then pretty parallel but yeah i mean a a lot of it is it's i i I guess people weigh the the hassle of doing it themselves versus the cost of just paying us to do it and there's no i I can't think of a single programmer in the world who could do it as fast as what we charge so a lot of developers end up just going with the paid version
2: right and it was a lifestyle decision in case you're wondering the move from open source was a very hard one we have spoken about this but we optimize our business for lifestyle. We're not looking for a billion dollar exit. We're looking for a business we enjoy to run every single day and have fun with it. And I right. you talk to Adam Wathen and ask him about maintaining open source. We got a <laughs> glimpse into the world of maintain or Taylor Wattwell, you know, those kind of people. Yeah, It's not for us. We're not cut out for, uh, there's a lot of lack of gratitude from some people and it's a, not, not all of them. Open source is great as well, but it's just, we're not really cut out to do that. I don't think, I mean, yeah, Paul, you don't like, that kind of stuff, and I don't think I do either. Yeah, no, I mean,
1: I mean, it seems like a blessing and a curse, especially looking at yes. what, the, what Adam has with tailwind It's like <laughs> it's it's such a great <laughs> thing, but it's so popular that it, mm. it it's so crazy in, in in like the GitHub over there. So
0: people yeah. just expect so much, and it's like you wanted to li- like I come from a background of customer service with all the products that I've made, and it's like. I want to make all these people happy. But when there's millions of people using a product, none of them are paying anything. And it's like, I have a mortgage and a life, like I need to support myself. So yeah, we ended up having to move. um, It still exists, like the repo still exists. It's still popular. Uh, We will actually be doing some bug fixes, uh, Mm -hmm. some minor things at some point. But yeah, we moved the focus to paid. And actually that, that was kind of where, like that started to really gain traction, especially with people who could do the open source version. So we figured, okay, this makes sense. Like we can, based on the type of business we have, where it's really just Jack and I and a couple freelancers, we can manage this. Like we can maintain it. We have thousands of customers and Jack and I can handle support with paid customers. So it just made a lot of sense, I think.
2: Yeah. And one so, one additional yeah. thing I'll add quickly, Brian. Open source is often, uh, self-hosted stuff is great for control over data, right? Personal data being sent back and forth, people love that. We don't store any personal data, right? We anonymize everything. So there's no real gain for self-hosting. And we actually say to people, you know, self-hosting is good for people, with well, fathom this is, self-hosting is good for people that have more time than money. And I mean that's that's blunt, but it's true. Like, mm-hmm. Why would you not use a service that anonymizes data where we've right. got a DPA and a data processing agreement in place? And then, so- of course, it's
1: like if you have tons of data, like how do you have time? You're probably busy as hell managing your <laughs> crazy business, right? Exactly. So, um, but the um, okay, so I, I, there again, like a number of things I want to touch on here. Um, but talking about audience, uh, I know it's sort of like a non-factor today for you, Paul. But like in the early days, because I, I deal with a, a little bit of this to a much lesser extent than than you have in terms of audience but in the early you know year year plus especially once you moved into the paid stuff you know th- you have these these people who have followed you for a long time your newsletter and twitter and, and everything and um how what did that look like in terms of like you know because I've, I've seen a little bit of this where people have followed my stuff my podcast for a long time They become customers of my products and some of them are like great long-term customers and some of them are just buying it for a couple of months just to kind of follow along with the story or, or they hear me talk about it. They want to kick it around, but they don't actually have the pain that the product solves. Um, I I found with zip message, it's, it's, it's actually uh, more of a widespread problem solver for more people. But I've had previous products where I get that like false positive signal from from you know, audience members who just buy it, uh, but th- it's not actually solving a real problem for them. Um, I'm, I'm curious to hear uh, any any feedback on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there there was some of my audience that that churned out because they're just like, oh, this is just a new thing that Paul has, and Paul has released lots of products over the years of, of, of running the newsletter. But it is actually like when when you say uh, zip message is kind of a universal problem. This is a universal, like analytics is a universal problem for people that have websites. Like people want to know how popular their site is, where people are going, where people are coming from. So it, it makes sense. I mean, there are some people, I, I think people churn out if they don't have a business and they try fathom because it doesn't make sense to spend $14 on a website that makes zero money. Yep. Like, unless it's driving something else, right? Or like you want to it,
2: grow it actively and you're yeah. actually looking to turn it into something bigger, yeah.
0: Yeah, so those types of folks, I'm sure, probably did churn out. But we do have a lot of, like, our churn rate is so low. Like, we have, there's a yeah, lot of happen. customers that are part of Fat that started with Fathom when it was just me promoting it to my audience. And it's now been years and I don't even have an audience anymore and they're still they're still here so you guys
1: are in one of those like uh i feel like it's like a holy grail of SaaS products that, that have like the set it and forget it uh yep. feature right like they you could you could get value from your product without really touching it for a long period of time
0: well and it gets more valuable the longer you stick around like it gets more valuable to see the trends in data over longer periods of time right so right. Exactly. it makes yeah. sense to you stick around history yeah yeah, and we have unlimited um, data retention, right? So like, if people are with us from the beginning, they can go back and look at that. They can click all time and see data from the start of when they signed up with Fathom to, to now and see, okay, what, is, what did it look like then versus what does it look like
2: now? And our value oh, cool. props have really transformed as well. We've heavily invested in things like privacy law compliance to the point where Google can't actually compete with us on certain compliance things that we do. It's, it's literally impossible for them to do. And we're in a kind of privileged position being a Canadian company where we fall favorably under the GDPR. And I'm not mm-hmm. going to nerd out on privacy law and put you to sleep, but- That's for every other episode. Edge, <laughs> yeah. It's a competitive edge we've got, which we've doubled down on and we've invested heavily in this area. We're you know, paying yeah. lawyers here, there, and everywhere. And it's had a huge return on investment because people are seeing this and they're like, oh, I didn't even know about X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And, and coming back to the Paul's audience, something else I want to add- um, And maybe this even helped Paul close up his audience. Um, Early days, we said to each other that we can't just rely on Paul's audience because it's only going to go so far. And we knew that. Paul can't just send out an email every day saying, join Fathom because there's only a limited amount of people. So we did invest in the development of additional channels early on. We tried different things. I had a few stupid ideas. They didn't work, but I wanted to try them. And so we were focused on that really early on. and Because like Paul did. Paul jacked in his... His newsletter. So there's no no promo to it. Forty thousand people. I still can't believe he did it personally. But yeah,
1: you know what, what? were some uh, of those? Uh, uh, what were some of those like early kind of marketing projects or, or things that you tried?
2: Oh, uh, we went all in on social media, uh, LinkedIn, or not Facebook, but Twitter and LinkedIn. We really invested in that, um, developing our content and how we we do our content game. We're very value focused. I mean, and we also explored into the engineering area where. We, we work on something. And we think, okay, how can we package this up so that it's going to give value to people? And then the game there, we're transparent about the game. Um, we give out all this information. We share our journey. We don't care if people become Fathom customers or not. That's fine. It's really just about truly helping people. And then it's awareness as well, isn't it? It's like that. And Gary Vaynerchuk, love him or hate him, his jab, jab, right hook thing is really good. Or if mm-hmm. you just jab 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 and you don't hit anyone, who cares? The point is we're making a positive, a, a positive influence on the rest of the world, on, on the development world. So and when, if people when you, talk about Fathom, then great.
1: When you talk about like content and sharing the journey, so you're, are you, like you're basically talking about things like this podcast and like mm-hmm. and like kind of building in public and, and sharing the the process.
2: Yeah, we we got attacked a DDoS attack that hit us and cost us a bunch of money, really caused us some problems and. We both went through dealing with that and we blogged about it and 60,000 people saw it. And whether or not they're going to use Fathom or not, it doesn't matter. They now know what Fathom is if their friends talk about it. And the thing about that article though is every article that's technical is written in a way, and we both ensure this when we publish it, it's written in a way that it's going to give value to people. Who cares if they buy Fathom or not? Like it's good, it feels good to put value into the world. And yeah. Paul writes tons of stuff around privacy and like it's value. And that's how you're, you built your audience, wasn't it? With through um, yeah, delivering telling. value, yeah. 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 And that's what we do. And we did try out advertising. We tried out being adverts. Um, you know, it's not really, it's not amazing, but it was something it's like, to try. It, you know, with with paid ads, it's like
1: it's so hard, it's so expensive, and it feels like shit at the same time. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I mean, like that's why I I love that approach to content and building in public at like people sort of like love or hate this idea of growing a SaaS product using like quote unquote audience stuff, but it's still people and it's still mm-hmm. stories that people connect with. Right. Yeah. Um, and
0: that's the background that I have. So that was a, that was a thing it, that I brought a to natural it. And then, thing. Yeah. yeah Jack I'm does thinking it. about
1: doing that more, more myself. Like I, I have my bootstrap web podcast with Jordan, but I want to do more of this, just conversations with lots of people and share it out. And um, you
2: know, that, It's awareness, is it is. isn't it? Yeah. I mean, uh, that's how I see everything. And Paul said something to me early on. We had an article go viral on Hacker News, and I'm like, no one's signing up, no one's signing up. And Paul says to me, well, it's a long-term thing. This isn't just an instant return thing. And that kind of switched something in my head. So I'm now thinking, you know what? I'm going to throw out value from my end. Paul's going to do it from his end. doesn't matter if we convert. No, we're not looking for instant convert. Oh, can we measure this? Is this right. going to convert? Who cares? The game we're playing is value and awareness. Well, I mean, Paul, you'd agree with that, right? Value and awareness. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I've always found that uh, the audience thing of of, share, of being public about what I'm working on, it's, it's yes, some of them will become direct customers, but more so it's they talk about it. They recommend yeah. it to someone they work with or, you know, they're, it's just mm-hmm. awareness, right? Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, I was this is this is pre pandemic. So this is a while ago. I was in a room with um, like seven or eight other web folks And it it got to – and, like, we were all just, like, introducing ourselves. I think I can't remember what it was – I can't remember what the, like, get-together was for. But, like, everybody in the room was either using Fathom or had heard of Fathom. Mm -hmm. And I was – I only knew one person going into the – going into this Hangout. And I was just like, this is – like, this is – like, there's something here. And it's so – like, if I think about it now, I'm like, I don't know what we were thinking getting into a market that where – Google Analytics is on. I think like eighty five percent of the internet. <laughs> like it's just and like we're competing with like the, one of the biggest tech companies in the well, world. Well,
1: the, the positioning around privacy makes so much sense, and and I and and I think um, you know it's it's sort of a, a perfect case study in, in positioning there, right? Like you've kind of planted your flag, like you're privacy focused, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like you, uh, you 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 know you you talked about Hacker News, and I also wanted to ask about those like bursts of new traffic i mean product hunt is is actually sort of on my mind right now i don't know if this was sort of just a blip for you guys or or if it had any impact but i think you were on product hunt back in 2018 yeah we were on i'm I'm actually putting zip message on next week on on tuesday on on product hunt yeah Um, how did that kind of turn out for you it did it did help i think
0: um but again i don't. Of me,
2: Jack, we had a new product, didn't we? Like, it wasn't yeah. just uh, the product had better product market fit. I mean, Zip message looks really polished, so it'll probably do well. But going live on product hunt, like, it's not going to make or break, right? People put a lot of value on this, it doesn't right. make or break your product consistency, and that's what we do. Yeah, just I don't think we've everything. had
0: any big, big blips. Like, like, like how new
2: stuff, we do get, right? We get viral yeah. content.
0: But for us, it's like the compound, like it's the boring compounding daily trials that just like went from like a couple a month to a couple a week to a couple a day to more than a couple a day, and it's just like, yeah, it's just that slow growth,
1: boring growth, exactly, and the 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 paying ramp. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, thinking about that first year or two, I feel like there usually are a couple of of those early blips like whether it's a, a the first time you hit a, a hacker news viral thing or or product hunt does really well or some influencer shares it once right it it's like those they they make much more of an impact when they happen in the first 12 18 months than they do when you're 5 years in right so mm-hmm. like like it, it's just it, it's a it, it's like an exposure yep you know
0: expansion. and we had a couple pretty popular people try and then love Fathom early on, and people like in the Laravel space that were using us, and then we got pretty popular in the Laravel space. We got people like um, Joel, the CEO of Buffer, was tweeting about us, and like the the indie business and that the open um, business types so we did have a lot of um people who are influential in their spheres talking about us and really getting interested in in the types of things that we were doing and that that did really help i think nice
1: yeah so so i wanted to sort of transition a little bit further into the story a few years along and you know uh paul you you sort of like famously shut down your newsletter and and more recently like you, you killed off twitter which is Amazing to me, um, uh, you know. I think Jack said I joined the army, so I had to. Leave. <laughs> yeah,
2: people believe that as well.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I wanted to ask a little bit about the the impact of foregoing the audience impact for a while, but even before that, I'm 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 actually curious about when, like, when did Fathom start to really click in terms of like, okay, this is really a sustainable business that we are going to sink. Our next several years into and we feel confident and secure that like this is going to be our focus and we don't need anything else going on because we're, we're i guess we're past like product market fit we've got mrr that's that that feels comfortable like when was that clicking point or turning point for you for version two
0: yeah version two for sure it started like when version two launched we started to see um People signing up for Fathom because our other customers were telling them about it. So it kind of shifted from just my audience or just Jack's audience. It, it shifted from people knowing who Jack and I was to people knowing our customers and signing up. Like it, it, it kind of removed Jack and I as the main sources of signups. And then, yeah, when the, when the revenue grew to a point where Jack and I could be like, Oh, we could pay ourselves a salary <laughs> now. Like, that was kind of a, like, I ramped down a lot of the work that I was doing outside of that. Jack did the same. He, he left his job that he was at and, and started to do Fathom full-time. And it was like, this is a, like, this is a real thing. And, like, I've had it, in, in my past experiences, I've had a lot of starts and stops and, and failures on, on the product side. I've done really well in digital products where it's just, like, courses or books or that sort of thing. But in the actual, like, software world... I hadn't done I hadn't done nearly as well, and this started to be like, okay, well, Fathom's actually a, a significant source of income now for for two people, mm. right? And like, it was like, okay, well, now this can be our, our focus, and then we we both kind of got really dialed into it.
1: Since since you do come from that background with the audience, and, and you've had courses and, and other products and stuff, was this intentional with with Fathom, like like you were looking to build? A business that that would be your your way out of, of like your way to put that stuff in the in the rear view or it just sort of happened yeah.
0: like happened? i didn't want to i mean it did just sort of happen but as it was happening i liked it yeah. and i was like oh shit i don't have to have an like i don't have to be a known person on the internet kind of thing to, to make money and i was like oh i don't actually i don't like being a known person on the internet to make money hmm. so i leaned yeah i leaned as soon as i realized that i didn't have to do that I leaned heavy into let's not do that anymore. And yeah, I killed off everything.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, has there been any like noticeable impact on, you know, since since the audience is like not Zero. happening anymore?
0: Really? None. Like,
1: like, yep. No. Like like
0: no like No, our growth has increased. Like wow,
2: we yeah. expanded other channels. Paul still has a reputation; people still know who he is, so we'll still get people sign up saying "Paul Jarvis." Mm-hmm. We expanded our channels, so we're now getting customers of customer uh, customers' friends. They're becoming customers, and then it's just expanding. So that's why we had to invest in the channel. And I didn't think Paul would close down his newsletter, but you you can never rely on just one channel for your your customer acquisition. And yeah. um, we've got channels that are much better, and, and content's a big one for us.
1: Mm-hmm. I I could um yeah I mean. The the Twitter one too is is sort of I totally get it. There's so much crap on Twitter that that bothers me day to day, and yet I'm still painfully addicted to to checking it every day. But um, like I'm I am curious about you know the the reach that you can have when you when you have new product annou- or new feature announcements and stuff like that, or or like um, I know you know it's a it's much more mature product at this point, but like do you see any like uh, in, less of an impact now when you have something new to announce or like, or even like, well, you're not even hiring that much, but like, you know, companies use their reach to to find great people to work with. I Um, mean, we have our fathom Twitter.
2: Yeah, well, right. we have amazing reach, we and have, that
0: yeah, that has great reach, as Jack said. Yeah,
2: we yeah. we basically invested in growing this reach, and, it, and it, not Yeah, like, like now
1: Fathom is the brand, and it's not mm, your your personal, which was yeah.
2: which is what Paul wanted. I don't know how long Paul wanted this for. I don't know what his master plan was, but um, that's what's ended up happening. We now get more reach off a of Fathom tweet than we did off of Paul's tweets in the past. And then Paul was, I said to Paul the other, the other month, all Paul did was shit post on Twitter and occasionally post about Fathom. That was his Twitter game. And I got a blue check mark for it.
1: (laughs) 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 Nice. Um, Totally makes sense. I I love it. I mean, the other thing that I'm, that I am, uh, I really love about the journey of what you guys have built is how lean you've been able to, to keep the company. I think you mentioned it's it's really just the two of you and some freelancers uh, for the most part yeah uh, that's
0: that's changing uh, kind of but mm-hmm. yeah it is i mean like i had just when we started fathom i had just released a book called company of one that talks about kind right. of this lean and minimal model and growing as revenue grows instead of growing and then hoping revenue catches up so luckily jack was kind of on board with that philosophy um which is I important mean, I, for co-founders to to agree
1: on those sorts of things right to- totally and and um I feel like that's one of the things about SaaS businesses. Um, first of all, like outsiders looking in who've never done a SaaS, they they look at the recurring revenue subscription and it's oh so amazingly profitable forever. Um, but I think most SaaS companies do end up hiring pretty aggressively once MRR starts starts growing. And and I often look at that like how much of that it are is really necessary team growth. Mm. Um, it's different on every product, of course, but like yeah. Um, I, I really uh, am interested in ways to keep the the company and the headcount as, as lean as possible, wh- while not foregoing growth or organic, you know, organic yeah. growth with the product, and not I mean, driving yourself crazy with customer support and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, part of it is, is sometimes the the way that you've built your business. Like, if you take funding, investors typically expect you to hire a bunch of people, right? But for us, we we didn't. We've uh, we've turned down millions in investors, which I'm pretty stoked that we we've kind of done it that way. But yeah, for us, it's funny. When I was researching the book, I talked to um, Marshall, the guy who who runs Peel, and I asked him about well, because he sells physical products, which requires like it just requires people. But he his team is still I think they do ridiculous. Uh, amounts of revenue and they have a team of like 10 and -hmm. he was like we only hire when it's too painful not to hire
2: yep that's, that's that's what we do, and financially, we'll talk about the finances too. We don't hire until we can comfortably afford it and still remain profitable. Mm-hmm. So there are people out there that will, as soon as they can just afford it, and they've got these percentage projections, they're gonna they're gonna hire. Well, the way we do our forecasts, we do it worst case scenario. So the month to month, we actually have a fixed amount of growth based on the last maybe two years, which is completely irrational if you're doing projections. But it's it's a worst case scenario. So we use that to see if we can hire. And as Paul just said if we're actually in pain. And so we, we gave a job offer out yesterday for a full-time software engineer. And that's because we're in pain. We want to ship faster. We're not shipping mm-hmm. fast enough. And uh, yeah, it's a true a true pain point. Brian, can I go back on something? Two yeah. seconds. Yeah. Um, so talking about audience, I think it's something really interesting to bring up to people that perhaps are looking to start a SaaS. Audience builds awareness. It's a distribution to gain awareness because people have awareness of who you are and what your product is. Um, That's how you grow a SaaS business is awareness. If you already have an audience, that's a huge advantage, especially one the size of pools, and you should play to that advantage. There are entrepreneurs like Ruben Gomez who have a tiny audience, right? And they still have these wildly successful businesses. Um, So if you haven't got an audience, you don't necessarily have to build an audience to get awareness. That's just one way. Right. Uh, Ruben does amazing on SEO, I believe. And yeah. he gains tons of awareness that way. So an entrepreneur should always focus on awareness. And I didn't have an audience in the early days and I built an audience and I now have a mailing list of thousands now, but I built that because it's another way to gain awareness. Our content gains awareness, our tweets gain awareness. So it's all about <laughs> awareness. Is, I, is what I, I couldn't
1: agree around. more. I, I think it, I've I feel like for different founders it's like just play to your strength you know Mm -hmm. um i mean ruben is like a genius when it comes to to seo uh (laughs) growth you know but like um yeah i mean you know i I think like even without like actively uh growing a personal brand you can still get on the mics on a podcast and share your journey if if and 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 that's what i relate to too is as like a, a a form of 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 getting awareness and like that's a strength right and yeah and it
0: doesn't even have to be set. Like one of our favorite podcasts is the art of product, uh, Derek yeah, totally. and Ben's show. Yeah. And like, they just catch up and talk about what they're <laughs> going through and what they're dealing with. And it's like, this
1: podcast is amazing. Yeah. I heard them talking a couple of episodes ago about like, what can we do to, to like improve or grow our, our podcast. And I was just listening to that thinking like, well, don't just don't change anything. I just want to like keep hearing <laughs> it, however you're doing it. Agreed. Um, Awesome. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, again, like getting back to the, like the lean stuff. Um, Jack, you said you guys are just about to bring on uh, an, an engineer. Um, I, I like I found, and, and like I think that's also like the, sort of like the common misconception. I first of all, it's like I can't believe you're just bringing on the first engineer besides you now. But um, <laughs> I feel like that's the, the the other common misconception with SaaS. It's like, okay, want to go faster? We need to increase the head count on the engineering side, like it, like shipping faster. We need more heads on keyboards, knocking out code. And and in my experience, it's me plus one developer and me and him just ship really, really fast. And I feel like adding even one more developer beyond us too, it, it will slow us down, not speed us up.
2: Um, it has to make sense. It has to be approached in a strategic way. Uh, One of the things I'm doing right now, and for the next two weeks, I'm writing tests for our entire code base so that a developer can come in and can confidently actually change stuff. Um, You have to you can't just casually hire someone and hope they can just run with it. You've got to be really strategic and yeah, you should be careful. Like it's, uh, we like I said, we know people that have hired too aggressively, and they've got huge, huge, huge bills each month that they're paying for salaries, and it's it caused them issues because they're not growing how they expected to grow. Because they they always think of the positives, get a new developer, all these new features. There's extra responsibility there. It's going to take away some of your time. So you just need to have a more yeah balanced view on it. I think.
1: Yeah, and I feel like like with development specifically, like. It doesn't immediately solve the problem that you're trying to solve of speeding yeah. up. It it's going to slow you down, right? Like, um, to get them ramped up and, and all that. But I mean, test cover. I t- test coverage has been such an incredible. Uh, like my early product things a couple of years ago, we didn't we had no test coverage and it was a disaster. Yeah. It completely slowed us down because we were constantly yes. fixing bugs. But now <laughs> now we do we build everything with, with test coverage and it it just helps us keep is Even a huge faster, advantage you know. yeah
2: and another thing sure. we've got now we've got tuple so i can this new developer if if he agrees we jump on tuple and we'll build features together and i'm like motivated because i'm teaching him and then i'm coding more and i'm spending more time on that so like there's pros there too but yeah it will Love be a learning that. ramp for him to work independently for sure yeah
1: yeah all right so just like a couple uh, final ones to, to kind of wrap us up here um sure uh you know, you, you sort of touched on this a little bit, but like these days, are there any like uh, in terms of growth? Um, I know it's not a top priority for you, but there's still like the natural like like things that you want to push on with the company. Um, what what is what are what are those things? Uh, is it still like word of mouth? Are there any like new uh, areas that you're trying to grow awareness or anything like that? I mean, I think it's it, we
0: we were now in a place where we've existed for for several years, and we can kind of see what works and what doesn't. So a lot of what we're working on now is optimizing the things we already know work, right? Like content and storytelling, Jack, and this is what Jack and I do really well. And so pushing on that and seeing where we can kind of evolve and expand on that. So we have another writer that we were that we're basically, um, working with to, to help us tell, tell our story. Um, same with SEO we've done, neither Jack or I are, um, SEO nerds, but we, we do spend a lot of time and prioritize search engine optimization in Google, which is funny because we compete against Google, but (laughs) (laughs) whatever. So we have an SEO person that we're, that we're working with, um, just to kind of do better in some of the areas that we already see have done well for us. We're also in the process of getting a, a content newsletter going, not like Sunday dispatch is my previous one, but something where we can, we do all of this work. We spend all of this time writing this content. So we just want another distribution um, channel because uh, we know that that works. And I mean like my, my background is I make money from sending emails. So doing that I think makes a lot of sense. And it's not going to be like a personal email from me every month but it's going to be jack and i produce quite a bit of content so we just want to make sure that people are are seeing it because we put a lot of work into it we focus on value and that sort of thing yeah Um, i
1: mean i I just again i love the idea of like telling the story from the brand of fathom or or but it's still like the people like people still know the people it's mm -hmm. it's the small crew at fathom they're putting out this awesome stuff let's subscribe to it you know yeah we
0: sign all of our automation still come from jack and paul like we still put our names on it because it's fathom is us Totally.
2: Brian, I'll tell you something that happens behind the scenes that I don't think I've heard anyone talk about. Maybe maybe they have. Um, we have product market fit, right? We have solid mar- product, product market fit in certain areas. We're hitting it on nail on the head, especially EU customers, uh, American customers that value privacy, nail on the head. They'll sacrifice uh, less complexity, less all these special features to get the core stuff of what they need, right? Well, what happens with that is we occasionally hit people where we're maybe 10% product market fit for them and they'll email us with ideas. And so we've got this funnel of ideas coming in, which we can process and we can strategize to say, oh yeah, we will go off go after this market because there's enough people asking for this thing. No so requests. what we're doing, say our product market fit is a small circle. We're slowly but surely catching other people and expanding. And, um, you know we've had lots of features people want things like user journeys anonymized uh, they want tracking we had a, someone asked us for tracking across sites they had a marketing site and an application mm-hmm. well i want to track my ad adverts to the thing so we introduced multi site but then multi site caught another segment that we weren't anticipating and so we just got this ball that's just growing and all we have to do is just uh, be reasonable in our thinking and listen to what's coming in. And Paul's Paul's a better filter for this than I am because I want to do everything. Uh, And that's one of the advantages we have in Fathom. Paul's older than me. So he's got a kind of a slower. Thanks for throwing that in there. (laughs) It's good. It just works though, because I'm like a bulldog. I want to attack everything and you've got a more calm. Like I've pushed you to do things you wouldn't do and you've stopped me from doing stupid stuff. It's a good balance between co-founders and we play off each other's strengths.
1: I feel like that feedback and customer requests, it it, it feels to me like such a such a blessing and a curse. Sometimes, like you, you want to see it. You want to see the activity. People are resonating with the product. They ha- mm-hmm. they're expressing their needs and and their wants for what the, what they want this product to be. I, I get them every day with ZipMessage, um, but it's I, I'm, I'm you guys probably see a, a bit of this too, where it it is sort of like a horizontal product. You're not like niched. I mean, you have the privacy angle, but it's there are all sorts of different websites and industries that would use Fathom, right? And and yeah. I'm seeing that with ZipMessage where I get all these requests from like coaches and communities and then others from like SaaS teams and others from like, you know, client services. And, uh, um, I'm, I'm still trying to make sense of like where to put the energy on satisfying these requests, uh, where, where it, it, it works. You know, one
0: of our biggest things there is that we look for, uh, when we're thinking about new features, because we're still in the phase where, there's a lot of things that we wanna add to Fathom to make it as valuable as possible. Like Jack and I agree that we're not at the place where we're kind of finished building the product and where we can just focus on refinements. And so a lot of the times when we get feature requests from customers or from non-customers or looking at things like our roadmap form that we have is will this feature that these people are asking for be something that could benefit all of our customers or just like the two percent of customers who are in this market who just need this one specific thing, and it doesn't right. mean we don't build those things, but it just means that we tend to prioritize. If, if if all else is equal, we tend to prioritize the things that okay, what could all of our customers get value from in terms of the next feature that that we add to the product? But it yeah. is hard. Like it's it's hard.
1: Yeah, it's hard. But it's it's like super fun to work on that kind of stuff. Like I yeah. I, I like trying to doing like the, like the detective work of like, all right, somebody yeah. sort of mentioned this, but what they really need is that, you know?
0: Yep. And we, with um with the, the feature that Jack just mentioned, that the multi-domain, we had, I think, five or six customers in a week ask for something that this would accomplish. So I mocked it up and I sent, the, I sent those customers a mock-up. I'm like, is this, like this, this thing, this is what you would use? And they were all like, yes, like in all caps, yes, this. And we're like, okay, right. so this is, like, this go. makes sense. <laughs> like we understood what our customers were wanting and then we build it like i literally mocked it up and sent a, a, like a photoshop mock-up to our customers yeah and just it, it wasn't working
1: yeah. yeah go ahead jeff
2: i was gonna say we were asked for our api since we started the business api please api we we didn't ignore it i was just concerned whether our database could even handle it we moved to a new database and then we launched the API and what happens? Things blow up and, and people are on Twitter. They're building things, open source packages, people tweeting about it. Everyone just goes nuts over the API. And uh, mm-hmm. and that's helped us grow a ton. We've, got, we've now got different product market fit where people are utilizing our API to do capacity planning. They're doing some stuff we didn't even think about and they're yeah. paying us good money to do it. And so one of the examples too is imagine that your partner says that they, they need something from you. They like really need something from you and they say it to you a hundred times and you don't do it. Well, what happens then they they might leave. I think with customers, you have got to be open-minded with them and just listen to what they're saying. And like, as we just said, the filter is so hard, but, it's fun. It's a good problem to have, right? Yeah. All these people want to make our product better. Like, exactly. Because they and, care. And I've been, like
0: They're emailing us because they give a shit about the totally. product, which is amazing.
2: I've
1: been uh, trying to make a habit of getting on. I, I do zip message messages to new zip message users, you know, and <laughs> and then they'll, they'll send me back like videos and screencasts of like, like, I want this button to do that. And I'm trying to connect to, to this and Brian, what is zip um, message, helpful.
2: by the way? Like we talked about us a lot. What is zip message? It looks like you record yourself to so say, I wanted to show something to Paul. I could send him like a zip message of me doing something. And it's, it's effectively asynchronous versus me having to jump on a, a call with him. Is that right?
1: Exactly. It's, it's asynchronous video messaging. Um, so, you know, it's the, the popular one is, is loom. It's kind of similar to that. The, the big difference is that it's really made for the asynchronous back and forth. Uh, mm-hmm. so, you can record and send something. They can Conversations. record it and send it back. The other thing about it is that it's, it's frictionless for whoever you want to send it to. So, so it's great for like sending to a customer and getting them to record their screen and send it back to you. Um, or working with clients or freelancers and, um, you know, they don't need to download or install or sign up for anything. They just hit the browser link that you just sent them and you can get your personalized link, you know, like, um, you got a Chris
2: kind of Lima testimonial. That's awesome. Have you seen that Paul? Yeah, like, Chris, like, Chris, Chris, is awesome
1: there. Is, Chris is a good friend, <laughs> and 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 he's been amazingly supportive of. of
0: Chris the is amazing. This year, so yeah. I love Chris. Nice. So why did you build? I, we're just going to turn it on you for a sec. Why 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 does the message exist? Like, what was that yeah. initial thing for you?
1: Um, it was a shiny object idea about a little more than a year ago. Um, I was doing customer support for uh, my other SaaS product, uh, Process Kit, and. I wanted an easy way to send a customer a link to, hey, can you just record your screen and show me what you're seeing without saying, hey, can you go sign up for this tool over here so that you could record a video and drop it into Dropbox and send it over here? And, you know, didn't want to do any of that. So that was the initial idea. But then when I launched it earlier last year, like that, it solves that problem. But people saw the way that I designed it with the asynchronous back and forth threaded down one page, seeing like video, video, text response, audio response, all on one scrollable page. That's what really started to resonate with people visually because the other tools don't really work that way. Um, So, you know, then over the past year, especially with everyone working remotely now, it's, you know, async. That's what it's all about. So um,
2: what's your biggest challenge right now that you're willing to talk about publicly?
1: Biggest challenge. Um, You know, it, it had a good first year in terms of traction, like much much more traction than any of the other software products that I've done before, um, you know, in a faster amount of time. So that feels good. That I'm still not yet at the at the point where we were talking about earlier, where it's like this is a business that is absolutely working, and it, and I'm going to be sinking into this for five ten years. You know, um, I'm I'm still in like that survival mode of got to get the MRR up to, to get, to get this, to be a sustainable thing. I mean, again, good first year, all the signs are pointing in the right direction, but it's a matter of, uh, of, uh, of of just, you know, getting more exposure for it, staying focused on the product, moving as quickly as possible, which I I feel like we do a pretty good job of. Um, uh, the other thing that that's sort of new to me, I, I, again, this is probably a whole other podcast for you guys, but like, uh, it is a, it does have a free plan with with a freemium model so it is very much like that product-led growth you know you start using it you share a zip <clears> message <throat> with someone you're working with they start using it and and so i'm focusing a lot on making the product really usable and really shareable in in your early experience so that's sort of a new uh challenge to, to design
0: Freemium's for, hard you
2: know?
0: yeah we how is support it oh sorry go ahead jack
2: well, I was going to say we got grilled on that because this lady was coming at us saying, "Oh, you just need to learn how to convert Freemium," and she might be right, but she's also consulted for companies with hundreds of millions of dollars of investment.
1: Yeah, you're- Freemium yeah. is new for me, um, and I only switched it to Freemium like two months ago in November. Um, and and it hasn't. The support load is not actually bad because ZipMessage message is super simple. It's not a complex product. Like you sign up, you click a button, you're recording. Like it's. Doesn't your
2: freemium it, is so generous, like unlimited conversations, uh, it's, message it's history. A, it, yeah, it's
1: yeah. it's li- it's limited in certain ways, and and so okay. um like basically the limits right now are free users can only record for up to one minute, um and after and when you upgrade you you have you know you can have unlimited uh length of recordings. The other thing is you get your personalized URL. Um, mm. You can't reserve your own name on on free. If you want to get zipmessage.com slash fathom you know that that would be on a paid plan um there are there are team generous features. There, there's other I, stuff um that's still really
2: generous i mean that's a, yeah
1: that's a but they but you know what well what really made me nervous about it was like when i switched to free it was like is anybody really going to upgrade to premium <laughs> um and for the first like two or three weeks it was a little quiet like only one or two conversions and then november into december it really kicked up and, and we're actually seeing this is it's still very new but we're actually seeing a really good conversion rate up up to premium like there's multiple limits that they bump into whether it's that one minute recording or inviting team members or they want we do automatic transcriptions on, on paid and, and stuff like that so um you know it, they're, they're different and like right now they, they are convert and it's 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 just the type of product that I feel like needs to have a free plan to, to get them using it and sharing it as much as possible. Because before that, we had a trial, which if they don't convert after the trial, then it just limits the pool of people who could share it, you know?
0: Yeah, I guess by, by virtue of what the product does, it's shared. So exactly. it, yeah. that makes sense.
2: Are you an engineer or are you, are you an engineer?
1: I am, uh, I am now sort of full stack. I come from uh, very similar to Paul design background, uh, web designer first front end first. And then in the last few years, I, I, uh, learned, uh, Ruby on rails. Stack. Don't get any <laughs> ideas, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, you know, my developer is much stronger on the, on the back end stuff than, than I am. I'm, I'm more on the front end.
2: How are you, how is support from your free users versus your page users? As in who send, are free users sending in, you know, exhausting, oh, um, horrible. T- no, it's
1: not. Um, it, it's really not too bad. I, I get the support that I get now looks more like feature requests more, more often than anything <laughs> yeah. else. Um, and <laughs> we know all it, about that. Less so now, but a lot of them were like bug reports, but that was like earlier last year when it was super yeah. young. Um, we, we've kind of, you know, worked out most of those kinks. Um what what i I think what like the fear that I have every day with the product is like what am i not hearing from the customers like what's happening in the product what's causing somebody to try it and then drift away without ever contacting me I'm trying to really understand that you know um, uh, I mean we see decent conversion rates on on everything and I've made some product changes where getting free users to actually record a message and send it uh, and, and increasing that metric if you will but um, but still, I think at, with a free product that it's probably natural that you'll get a lot of free users who try it once they're not satisfied in some way and that's enough for them to just go away, you know? Um, and I'm trying to figure that problem out too.
2: Yeah. I know that's interesting. This looks like a cool product though.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Um, well, this was, this was fun. I'm, I'm always learning a lot. I, I love kind of following the stories of, of folks like you guys. So, uh, you know, keep at it. I'm, I'm going to be keep, you know, continuing to tune in. Uh, thanks for letting me crash your podcast today. This was a lot of fun. No worries.
0: Thanks for asking us some questions that our other listeners are probably curious about too. man. Huh? Yeah. Thanks yeah, so much. Cool.